uh, over the next months. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into Hosea chapter 14 as we finish off this, this powerful book and by uh, this Old Testament book that's often neglected. Um, I want to start off this way. Has there ever come a time, right, when was the last time where in a relationship uh, there was some brokenness, there was some friction, and then you experienced with that person reconciliation? Right? How good did that feel? I remember in, in my college years just um, not being there for a, a, a friend in my college years. And, um, and I, I hurt him for not being there. And so I apologized to him. I, was, I felt super bad. I didn't get his back uh, when, when he needed help at the time. And I didn't know if he would accept my apology. didn't know if he would um, accept me back. But he, he totally accepted my apology. And it felt just so good afterwards. Just being able to be uh, restored, to have a relationship that you care about, that was fractured, that was weird, that was broken, and then to experience the redemptiveness of it. Because so often, right, in, in relationships, it's, it's easy when, when relationships get hard to just go our separate ways, right? It's easy to say, you know, this, is, you know, this person wronged me, this person wasn't there for me, this person, you know, betrayed my trust, and I'm just going to walk out, right? Forget any kind of reconciliation. Now, we know that there are certain circumstances, right, where the safe and wise thing to do is to leave a certain relationship, right? like an, an abusive relationship. But in, in general, right, when we experience you know, problems with friends, family members, and there's friction, it's just our, I think, human tendency to just avoid and just move on and, and not let the beauty of reconciliation and forgiveness happen in those relationships. And when it does happen, right, it is so sweet. And I think that's why so many people are so drawn to the prodigal son story that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Luke. Both Christians, but also non-Christians are just so infatuated with the story of the prodigal sons. Right? In, in, in the story, right, most of us know the story where, where the, the younger son uh, this disrespects the father, wants to live on his own. He doesn't want to live under the father's authority. He asks for his inheritance, and he leaves, goes to a distant country because he wants to get as far away from his dad as possible, spends uh, his inheritance on just wild living, and he ends up you know, living with the pigs. He's poor. He realizes, oh gosh, it's better to live with the father. I want to go back home. I'll be a slave. I'm willing to be a servant. He, he makes his way home. The father sees him. The father is so stoked to see his son come home that he doesn't even give his son a chance to apologize. He just embraces his son and welcomes his son home. And I think the beauty, right, one of the beauties of this story that, that God gives, that Jesus gives, is this picture of reconciliation, right, restored relationship, right? How good does it feel in our lives when someone that we love and we care about, that we hurt, or maybe they hurt us, that relationship gets restored, and we're so grateful for that, that, that moment of time where, we're, where, where there was forgiveness and there was acceptance. Right? It's something as human beings that we, that we long for. And that's what God was offering to Israel in the time of Hosea. Israel turned their back on God. And God was calling them home. He was calling uh, them to reconciliation, to come back. Right, in, in this powerful book, right, God called the prophet Hosea right, to reach out to the people of Israel who rejected God. 
And it was a powerful illustration where God told Hosea right, to marry a woman who would be unfaithful to him. And in this living illustration, God would show the people of Israel that that's how they were treating God. That they had covenanted with God that they would worship the Lord alone, the God of Israel, but instead they cheated on him with all these other false gods. And so, and so God called the prophet Hosea to live out in his own marriage what Israel was doing to God. And yet, in all of the betrayal, in all of the hurt, in all of the, the, the rebellion that Israel did against God, God is still calling them back to him. And that's what we're going to see in, in, in chapter 14 as we close out the book. Yeah, we saw, we saw pictures of judgment and God's good justice. We saw pictures of God's mercy. Right? And we can't, we can't uh, reject one and, and receive the other. We have to hold up both, God's justice and God's mercy, God's wrath and God's compassion. Right? To neglect one is, is to choose how we want to view God. They're not enemies. Right, but we're to hold up both of these characteristics, these various characteristics of God. And here in the end of Hosea, we're going to see God's just heart to want his people, to want Israel to return to him. And so maybe for some of us, right, we, we feel distant from God. We feel like we've, right, we, we know we're, we're child of God. We know our home is with him, but we just feel distant. Right? We're going to be encouraged in chapter 14 just to see the love of God that he has for us. Or maybe we, right, we, we know people who do not know the Lord and, and they have yet to come home to the Lord. And we're going to be encouraged here as we see how God reaches out for those who are in rebellion against him. So let's jump right into Hosea chapter 14, starting with verse 1. As we're encouraged by the Lord's call to return home to him. It starts with that word in verse 1, return. Right, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more our God to the work of our hands or to idols. In you, the orphan finds mercy. Here, God is calling Israel to return to him on, on God's terms. Now, that's very important. Right? God's calling Israel to return to him, but he's very specific as to how they are to return to him. The reason why is because Israel is trying to follow and worship God on their own terms, their own way. Kind of like Burger King, right? You ever eaten at Burger King before? Right? Burger King's model is have it your way. And the idea and the appeal to that is, hey, however you want to eat, right? If you want lettuce or no lettuce, if you want to add things to your meal, add it. Like, have your food the way that you want it. Have it your way. You can determine what it looks like. Right? And that's Burger King's model, have it your way. Right? And so we can, as, as human beings, think of God that way, that we can worship and serve God our way. We get to pick and choose how we worship God, how we view God, how we serve Him, because ultimately, right, we want to be God. Right, when Adam and Eve took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right, it seemed to be here that they were wanting the authority to define what is right and what is wrong. 
it's an issue of authority. And God's saying here to, to Israel that they have to right, they have to return to him, but they need to return to him his way. Jesus himself teaches right, that, that no one can come to the Father except through him. There's a specific way that humanity can, can return home to God. And Jesus says it, it has to be through him. There's no other way to return to the Father. We are to return to God on his terms. And so God is very specific. And in his compassion, he tells Israel, here's how you, you're to return. In verse 2, right? Hosea says, take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him. So Hosea is saying, right, he, he, I'm going to give you the words. Here's what you are to say to God. Because Israel, it seems like, doesn't know how to return to God. Right? They, they tried, as we read in Hosea previously, but it was this half-hearted return to God. So how are they to return to God? Well, they're to say to him, and not just say with lip service, but actually mean it, take away all iniquity except what is good. Right? Another word for iniquity, right? another way of saying iniquity is forgive us. They're to come to God acknowledging that they have wronged God, that they have sinned against God. That's how they're supposed to return to God. Not in pride, not in um, um, you know, thinking that they deserve it, but they're to come humbly recognizing that they don't deserve God's grace, that they have rebelled and sinned against God. And what that means for them and for us too is that, that our relationship with God Right, isn't based upon anything and any good that we have done, but only solely upon what Christ has done. So there's no boasting or bragging in our, our relationship with God because it's established and made only by God's grace alone. They are to come acknowledging their sin. Like orphans, in verse 3, who find mercy. Orphans who don't have money, Orphans who don't have their own resources, all they can do is receive right, from their, their, uh, that parent who adopts them. It's grace and grace alone. So they're to, they're to come um, asking for forgiveness. They're to come serving God genuinely. If you see, it says here, and we will pay, well, we'll accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vow of our lips. Right, they're to sacrifice to God genuinely. Right, before this, they were offering sacrifices to God, but, but it was doing that while their hearts were given to idols, while their hearts were affectionate for other things. It was a half-hearted sacrifice. And not only that, as they served God, as they experienced His grace, they would end up, third, praising Him. They would have genuine praise for God. We're here where it says, the bull of our uh, lips. He's talking about praise, or uh, pay with bulls, the vow of our lips. He's talking about a genuine praise that comes from a heart-filled gratitude for God's grace. That's what happens, right? When we experience his forgiveness, right? We want to serve God passionately, and, and the result of experiencing his grace is praising God with our lips, because our hearts are in tune with it. Right, imagine giving someone we love a gift, right, but our hearts aren't in it. Right, a spouse, a friend, a family member saying, here, 
Here, I got this for you, and I only got this for you because you're my wife. I only got this for you because that's what best friends have to do. I only got this for you because it's Mother's Day, and you know, like, you're just supposed to, it's just a culture. You just got to give a gift, right? Or if someone did that to us, if someone said, you know, I'll give you a gift, I, I'm doing it out of obligation, right? We, maybe some of us, we wouldn't even want to accept that gift unless it was a really, really good gift, right? But we say, what? Like, just keep your gift. Don't give it because you just feel obligated and there's no heart in it, right? In a relationship, the, 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 the heart, right, and the motives and the desire and the intimacy is, is bound up with the gift. And so that's what God is calling them to come to him with, a genuine heart that praises him because they really do love him because they have experienced his forgiveness. They experienced his mercy. They are to praise him genuinely. And then fourth, right, returning to God, it looks like depending on him alone. Depending on him alone. Verse 3, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more our God to our idols, to the work of our hands. Right, because Israel was pretending to worship God, but they were trusting in other things, idols and other nations, in order to provide for them security and abundance. And God is saying, no, like, you are to have no other gods before me. Like, I alone am the one that will save you and that you can depend upon. See, Israel was about to face God's judgment because of their wickedness and sin. And Assyria could not save them from God's judgment. The only person that could save them from God's judgment is God himself. In the New Testament, Peter says it this way in the book of Acts, that there's no other name right, under heaven or earth by which we can be saved, right, except the name of Jesus. Jesus alone can save from the wrath, the righteous wrath and judgment of God over our lives. They are to depend on God and God alone. That's how they are to return to the Lord. And as they return to the Lord, they will experience the joy and the blessings of God. Let's look at verse 4 to 8 and see what they will experience as they return to the Lord. Verse 4, I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. I shall blossom like the lily. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoot shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their, their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. God is describing to them the promises that come as they return to the Lord. And it begins with healing. Look at verse 4. I will heal their apostasy. Isn't that interesting? Right, all through Hosea, right, uh, God is pointing out that, that they have turned away from him. They have worshipped of the other idols. They have given their hearts to other things and not to him. And they couldn't here, right, they, they couldn't help themselves. There's no way that they can turn from their they're, they're, they're fallen away from God. They needed God's healing because only God can give a new heart with new affections that long 
after him. And that's good news, right? When we find that our, our hearts are dry and, and, and uninterested in the things of God, right? We, we cannot muster up our own affections for him in and of our own strength. It's kind of like a pig, right? Think about a pig that's, that always wants to return to the mud, right? Because pigs like to roll, along, uh, you know, roll around in mud. And I, I love pigs, like pet pigs. I, I had a student once who had a pet pig that lived in his home, and I thought that's the coolest thing, one of the coolest things. I love pigs. But just think about this illustration, right? A, a pig that's always going back to the mud, right? And you're trying to stop it from rolling in the mud. You keep telling it, keep, stop, stop going in the mud. You're getting, you're getting dirty. You're going to get the house dirty. And keep talking to it and talking to it, it's not going to stop. Because right? that's in its nature, to roll around in the mud. So what needs to happen? That pig needs to magically transform into a human being. That's what needs to happen. It has to stop being a pig and be transformed into a human being. It doesn't play in the mud. So here, right, Israel could not stop their apostasy. They're sinners by nature and choice. We are, are sinners by nature and choice. We cannot help but sin, because that's, that's bound in, our, in who we are. So what needs to happen isn't reform. It's not education on how not to sin. What needs to happen is a new creation. That's what needs to happen. We need to be changed from a pig to a human. We need to be transformed from, from someone who's dead to alive in God, to be given a new heart with new desires. And that is good news because that's what God does. He heals our apostasy. And he says, I will love them freely, right? It's grace. It's not because of any good that we have done, right? Again, Israel has done nothing good in and of their own, but yet God loves us freely. And my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. Return to God. God right, makes his people beautiful. Blossom like a lily, the beauty of flowers, right? And just think about it. In our crazy, busy life, right, often do we just stop to look at a flower that's growing, you know, in our neighborhood, in our yard, and just kind of look at the intricacies of a flower, the colors, right, the design that God made in, in his creation. Right? It's, this lily is a picture of beauty. God said, I make you beautiful. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. God makes us new creations in Jesus. Now, what that doesn't mean is, is he's going to, you know, he's going to stop our aging. He's going to make us physically attractive. That's not what, what he's saying, but he's going to make us beautiful like Christ. Jesus is the standard of beauty. And God promises that he will conform us into the image of Christ. And that's the work he's doing with us right now to make us more loving and patient and kind and generous and faithful and in self-control like Christ to reflect the beauty of his character to others. That's what happens when he saves us and adopts us into his family as he grows us to be like our older brother, Jesus. He brings beauty to his people, the beauty like a lily. And then he shall take root like the trees of Lebanon, right? This is a picture of strength. He will make his people strong. It's the roots of a tree. That's why we can't go to a tree and kick it down, right? Because its roots are dug deep. 
and holds itself in the ground. And it's strong and solid. God will make us like trees. He will give us strength. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit right, empowers us for life in this world. Empowers us for the storms that, that we encounter. Paul says it that when we are weak, then we are strong because His grace is right, made complete in our weakness. And so we have this promise that when we go through the difficulties of life, we'll be like the trees of Lebanon, big, strong, and rooted, so that when the, the, the hard winds of sickness and death come our way, we will remain strong and faithful to God. Right? When the hurricane forces of financial troubles or, or relationship issues hit us, we will stand firm because he gives us that strength to endure whatever hardships that come our way. And so think about that, right? The most difficult things that we are dealing with in our lives right now, right? imagine ourselves like this enormous, beautiful tree rooted and planted while the winds are blowing and raging. That tree is just stationary in the ground, enduring. Not because in and of itself it has a strength, because, but because God himself right, is holding us firmly in the ground. That's the promise he gives his people, that they will have his strength. But not only that, it says, His shoots shall spread out, and his beauty shall be like the olive, and his fragrance like, the, like Lebanon. Right? We will have a fragrance to ourselves. Right? This, this attractiveness, but also this influence. Right? Think about the power of smell. When you're hungry and you, know, you, you walk around Kaka'ako and you smell certain foods, right? it just makes us hungry. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Right? When you just smell uh, a food coming from a restaurant or from a home-cooked meal, oh, right? our stomachs just start growling, we want to eat. That's the power of smell. But, but on the opposite end, right, the power of smell can repel us. Right? If you're out somewhere taking a walk and, and you smell some poo-poo on the ground, right? that's just like, ooh, you just lost your appetite there. Where your stomach wrenches up by certain kinds of smells. Smells have a power to influence us. Here they are a fragrance. God will make his people a fragrance. Paul talks about this right in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that we are the fragrance of Christ. And to some it's, it's life, and to others death. And what he's saying there is, as followers of Jesus, we have, we've been transformed by the power of the gospel. Some people right, will, will be encouraged as they interact with us by our lives. They'll be encouraged to Christ. While other people who have rejected Christ will, will interact with us and will just sense that, 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 that judgment is over their lives. Not because we are judging them, but because they see the power of God in our lives. Then we pray that leads them to repent. But we are the salt and the light and the fragrance of Christ. He makes us influencers in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods to point people to the gospel. We have the frag this beautiful fragrance, fragrance that God gives. And in verse 7, they shall return and dwell under my shadow. They will flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Right, so here's this picture of fruitfulness. In, in verse 8 at the end, he says, from, from me comes your fruit. Right, returning to God, they experience his fruitfulness. Right? Jesus says that apart from, from him, we cannot bear fruit. The fruit of good deeds done by the power of the Spirit. The fruit of 
the Spirit, right? The characteristics of Christ that we talked about. It is by His grace that these beautiful fruits are produced in our lives and bring praise and glory to God. And that's the good news that we have. That's all God's grace to us. And that is what God is calling Israel to return, to return to Him and experience life and joy and fruitfulness in Him. Now this message is obviously not for for Israel alone during Hosea's time. Let's read verse 9. He says, whoever is wise, not just the people in Hosea's time, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them, for the ways of the Lord are right and the upright walk in them. But transgressors, sinners, stumble in them. Hosea ends with a call to be wise and to respond to the call of God to return to him. This is a message ultimately for everyone. It's a message that our neighbors and friends and coworkers who don't know the Lord need to hear, that God has made a way for people to come home to him, and that is through his healing of their apostasy, through Christ and Christ alone. This powerful book teaches us about the pursuing love of God, that even when Israel was totally in rebellion against him, totally living their own way, worshiping other idols, God did not just leave them on their own, but he called them to return to him. Even in our struggle, in our sin, in our temptation, right, our Heavenly Father is right there with us, calling us to look upon him and to find strength in Christ. This book reminds us that we, like Gomer in this story, right, the wife who married Hosea, that we all are Gomers, that we have all turned away from God and was unfaithful to him and deserving of him to divorce us and to leave us in our misery and in our sin. But like how Hosea paid the price and bought um, Gomer from slavery, God paid the price for us in sending his one and only son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins that we should pay for eternally. Jesus took upon himself so that we could be free and united with God forever and experience the blessings that come with being united to him. And so as we, as we close, my encouragement for us is to, to worship him, that he is the pursuing God who pursues us to redeem us and to bring us home into his family forever. And so we're going to be celebrating that through communion. Communion is an opportunity as followers of Jesus where we remind ourselves of God's pursuit of us, that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us, that he gave up his body, Jesus, representing his, uh, uh, we, we take of the bread, representing his body that he offered on the cross. We drink of the juice, representing his blood that he shed for us. And if you're following Jesus, I want to encourage us to celebrate and to thank God and to remember what he has done through taking communion. We have basket in the back that you can grab a communion cup uh, any time during this time of worship and to just, just enjoy the grace of God that he has given us through communion. And we don't want to keep this good news to ourselves. We want to share this good news through the local church. And, and one way you can support in doing that is through financial giving. And you can do that on our website at harbornewuwane.org. So let's respond to the good news and the grace 
of Jesus as we finish off this book of Hosea by worshiping him, by singing, and by taking communion. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you that you have brought us home through Christ, that we are at one time um, living on our own in rebellion against you, as Paul puts it, children of wrath, enslaved to our sin. But just as Hosea purchased the freedom of Gomer, you purchased our freedom on the cross so that we could experience your grace, adoption, your presence forever. We thank you. We thank you for your redeeming, pursuing love for us. And we want to celebrate that now as we take communion, as we sing in response to all that you have done. So continue to renew our affections for you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage us to respond to God's